grace and peace be yours in abundance. Amen. The scripture for our message today is the second portion of the gospel lesson we heard, John 6, verses 41 through 51. Dear friends in Christ, when our first child, Pearl, was young, my wife, Lisa, was determined that Pearl should only eat the healthiest food. And so Lisa baked homemade bread every single week. In fact, it wasn't until Pearl was about two years old that she had any other kind of bread. Until that week came when there was no time to bake, and I went to the supermarket and brought home a loaf of Wonder Bread. Pearl did not know what to make of it. She looked at it, she stroked it with her hand, she held it to her face and she said, this is beautiful bread. And it was probably another five years before she learned to appreciate again how wonderful homemade bread is. But you realize industrial bread like Wonder Bread does have so much going for it, right? Pillowy soft, pure white, pre-sliced, no work required, just open the package. But to get that, there's a lot of manipulation that has to take place. Because they use soft white wheat flour, they have to add back in the vitamins and minerals and oils. To make it so pillowy soft, they add in sugar and enzymes to sort of supercharge the yeast. But to anyone who's eaten real bakery bread or real homemade bread, there's just no comparison. Only real bread is truly wonderful. And of course you realize that's the theme of Jesus' teaching and ministry in John chapter 6. He just finished feeding 5,000 men and their families by miraculously multiplying five loaves of bread and two fish. And now we're told Jesus knew the crowd intended to come and make him king by force. So he instructed his disciples to get in their boats and go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side to Capernaum. But when they got there, there was the crowd again in search of Jesus. And why they were searching for him is really the key to understanding all of Jesus' words in John 6. Jesus said to the crowd, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. What a perfect example of people focused only on earthly goals and needs. How wonderful it would be to have Jesus, the Son of God, as your earthly king who would miraculously supply you with everything you needed. Never again would they have to go out in the hot sun, in their fields or in their boats and work. Never again would they have to worry about the food to feed their families or that anyone would go hungry. Never again would they have to stay up late at night keeping watch over their flocks and herds. 
And I'll bet that pretty many of us here have had some of those same wishes, right? After an extremely long and hard day at work, after a really difficult day of caring for your children, after you got bad news from the doctor, or after you struggled trying to pay your bills at the end of the month, we all wish that this miracle-working Jesus could be our visible earthly provider and protector. And because of that wish, this crowd had literally followed Jesus 15 miles on foot, perhaps still dragging their families along, in search of him. But Jesus confronted their misguided hopes and desires. He said, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, that miraculous bread, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. <clears throat> it's relatively easy to apply Jesus' words to these misguided Israelites, right? But when was the last time you took a look at your own priorities? What is it, what's the food that fuels your day-to-day -day life? I mean, granted, I'm here in church today, but where is my head and my heart the rest of the week? What's driving me? Is it fears and worries and to-do lists? Or is it trust in Jesus who literally promised that God's people would never lack for the necessities of life, food, clothing, and shelter? Have you ever been tempted to take a job or a promotion that would hinder you from coming together with God's people to hear Jesus' saving word? Or that would take you away from your family? What is it that drives us? Would you compare the percentage of your income that goes back to God who gave it to the percentage that you yourself use for your own wants, needs, and pleasures? Are you and I striving only or primarily for food that will not satisfy the way the bread of life satisfies and gives life now and forever. But I have to stop here and say we dare not be too hard on these poor Israelites. Because you realize they had real and compelling reasons beyond just having a full stomach to want Jesus to be their king. At Jesus' time, these poor people had lived for four centuries, 400 years, under a string of oppressive foreign kings. It began with Alexander the Great, who conquered the entire Middle e ancient Middle East. And Alexander, when he conquered, he not only saw his goal as conquering, but he saw his goal as promoting Greek culture, 
language, and religion wherever he, he, he conquered. Then his successors, the Ptolemies of Egypt and the Antiochenes of Syria, carried on his program but took it one step further. In 163 BC, they overthrew the rightful line of the Jewish priesthood and desecrated God's temple in Jerusalem, not only with a pagan altar, but also with unclean animals. And then finally, around 60 BC, Pompey of Rome conquered Palestine. And even though the Romans said that Judaism was a legal religion, Roman money and Roman power corrupted the Jewish kings like Herod and corrupted even the Jewish high priests and their sanhedrin. So this crowd did have good reasons for their misguided priorities, just like we often do. I work hard all week. I need my rest and my time on the weekend. That's a good reason. I have to take care of my family. I want to get ahead in life. I need to be prepared for retirement. I'm too busy. I don't want to alienate my friends or my family. But you realize the choice Jesus is putting before us is not an either or. God is the one who gives you work and rest. God gives you friends and family. God gives you retirement. This is, again, a question of priorities. It's a question of choosing first the bread of life that gives life for more than this earthly life. And just listen to Jesus' promise to you. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. And I want to encourage you to read through the whole chapter of John 6, because this is Jesus' message to them again and again and again, and again and again and again, earthly matters drag them right back from spiritual truth. And, and we heard it in the very words they grumbled against Jesus. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? <laughs> what could be more earthly than that? We knew Jesus from the time he was little. He was right down the block. He had dirty diapers too, right? And then a few verses before that, <clears throat> they said to Jesus, what kind of work do we need to do to do the things God wants? As though following Jesus was just one more item for their to-do list. A new task, a new challenge God gives you to make everything right on earth, and you do that and you've got it made. And Jesus answered them so beautifully and so bluntly. He said, the work of God is to believe in the one he has sent. And in response to their grumbling, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, 
and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. I am the bread of life. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Talk about words that come as a shock to earthbound human beings. Jesus not only saying, I came from heaven, but I came from heaven to give myself for you. Salvation is all God's doing and God's gift. Even the ability to believe in him is God's gift. And again, that's a place where Christian people are often tempted to let all kinds of earthly ideas creep in. We want to say, there's got to be something I have to do. I have to dedicate myself to Jesus. I have to give myself or make a decision for him. Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. It reminds us of that Bible verse we all memorized from 1 Corinthians 12. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Lord alone, the bread of life alone, gives life. So what do we do? How do we get it? Well, here's where an earthly picture is perfect, right? Jesus has us thinking about food. He wants us to think about food. And when someone lovingly prepares a beautiful meal for you, has it spread on the table for you, what's required of you? to take the invitation and enjoy, correct? And that's exactly what Jesus, the bread of life, has done for us. He's spread a glorious banquet for us of God's promises, God's forgiveness, the Lord's sure gift of life now and forever. And what's required but simply to trust that invitation and enjoy it. Now, that might take some choices. Just like if someone has a beautiful meal prepared for you, right? You might have to quit mowing the lawn to enjoy it. You might have to turn off the TV or the computer or stop texting your friends or make sure you're home from work on time. But the gift is there. The meal is prepared. And, and the choice Jesus puts before all of us today is to put aside the unsatisfying bread of earthly goals or earthly disappointments or earthly worries or earthly busyness to dine on the real bread. Simply take his invitation and dig in. Amen.